0: Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. You act justly, you love mercy, you walk humbly. And the events of the past few weeks have been horrifying, from Ahmaud Harberry to Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, protesting, looting, rioting. And too often the church sees this and we think, that's awful, let's pray, and then we forget about it. Well, Anthony Hendricks is a pastor, father, husband, and friend, director of the Center for Biblical Unity at Williamson College, happens to be African-American, and he's been a great voice for me over the years, and I wanted him to come on and help us make sense of some things and help us know what to do next. So, Anthony, welcome to the podcast. I wish we were talking about NFL, but instead we're talking about this. Yeah. Um, I know you and I had a lengthy discussion about this after Ferguson. You gave me some books to read, which I did. Uh, They were phenomenal, Um, but here we are again. And I think for the white church, if I can use those terms, we mm-hmm. tend to look at this as, oh, something happened and, it, and it'll go away and then we move on and things are better. But I think from your perspective, you see this as a long um, progressive issue that continues just to have moments where it, it is brought into the light, but it's still there. And it's yeah. always been there. It may look different than it has been. You know, in light of everything that's happened over the past few weeks, what are some of your initial thoughts? I'll just leave it wide open for you. Um, man, my initial thoughts.
1: Um, I think when it all went down in my mind, I was thinking, man, God has given us, the church, another opportunity to be the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, you know, right behind that statement is um, a furthering statement basically saying but i just don't know if we're going to answer the call again um and so you know it's it's that it's that dichotomy that i deal with whenever this kind of stuff happens and that is um man we've got such an opportunity to show the world that we know how to do this thing because we've been given this ministry reconciliation but then as i'm you know as i fall back on history um you know i go right to but it's probably just not gonna happen because it it never has over the 400 years that you know we've been dealing with this stuff so you know that's my initial thought um as i as i heard what happened saw what happened and i was still kind of reeling from you know ahmad and so and then you know between ahmad and and george Um, I did a three hour podcast similar to what we're doing here. And, um, and I told the guy that I was speaking to then, I was like, we were talking and he was like, well, if it happens," I said, well, I said, when it happens again, I said, cause it's going to happen again. And that was just a week before, um, what went down with, with George. So, um, yeah, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough to stay encouraged, positive, hopeful. Um, you know, one of the things I said in my letter is I just I vacillate a lot between hopefulness and hopelessness. Um, and, uh, you know, Solomon said that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And man, I've just been dealing with a sick heart in the last few weeks and um, having to deal with the emotions of that and lament some of that um, and kind of move on because people are asking me, people are sending me notes. What can I do? How can I, how can I help? Um, Which, you know, it's, it's nice, but it's also very American, very white American, if I could say that. Um, Because, you know, white America is always in a position to do something, to fix something, to, 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 to be the best to, you know, and, and you even hear that in a lot of our Worship music and contemporary contemporary Christian mi- worship music—it's mostly, you know, celebrate celebratory. Um, very rarely do you hear songs of lament, um, and so you know, I even have to deal with those kinds of emotions when I'm asked, "What can I do?" And I and I and I know where that comes from. It really comes from a a, a good heart, but I don't know if there is an immediate to do that's going to. Um, rid this country of this, this
0: embedded system and structure that we've dealt with for so long. You know, you mentioned a word there, and I was going to ask you about this. System. Mm-hmm. You know, systemic racism. I think a, a lot of us in the white church, we would say, I'm not a racist. My parents were racist. My grandparents were racist. I know racist people, but I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with somebody of a different skin color, mm-hmm. but there's an underlying systemic racism we may or may not be um, fueling and, and and doing it unwilling unknowingly. Well, mm-hmm. explain that to us. What is that? Well, you know, in
1: um, in uh, in the book, I'm thinking about the book. I got so many books in my mind right now, but um, divided by faith, Michael Emerson says. That we've all been raised in a racialized society and what he means by that is that um, it, it is so that the the construct of race the structure of white supremacy is so deep and so deeply embedded in our country that we've all grown up in a racialized society so don't tell me that you're not a racist we all exercise racist tendencies at some point in time in our lives, white, black, purple, or brown. If you've been raised in this country, you will do that because that is the way we have all been educated into this culture um, called America. And so I hear, I hear when people say I'm not a racist, but what that really is, is it's a, it's a, um, I, I'm being defensive towards you saying that I'm a bad person and, and that, that brings in this whole discussion of this good-bad binary that we've instituted into our culture that says um, you're either this or you're that. And if you're this, then you have to be a bad person. And, you know, being a racist is, doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad person. It just means that you've been racialized into this society that we all have been um, raised in. Um, we've all been educated in, we've all been um, affected and influenced um, by this country and, and the the underlying principles of uh, of America. And so, you know, I, I I kind of explain that to people when I hear I'm not a racist, um, but really that statement is just you're you're upset about the fact that somebody has said something about you, and so now you've got to defend yourself. And I kind of pull back on them like, hey guess what? I'm a racist. So I'm glad you're not because I am, and I'm still dealing with that. So can you please help me understand, how did you get out of this? Because I'm still trying to work on it
0: myself. So, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, and I wanted to confront you on that today, by the way. So, you know. <laughs> I'm
1: not a racist.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So you mentioned this letter that you wrote, which we're going to link to it in the, uh, uh, in the podcast, and if you're listening to the podcast or you're watching this on YouTube, if you subscribe on for my newsletter on Pastor Pastor George dot com, you're going to get the emails that will have all of this stuff in it. Um, particularly, the list of resources you have is is like college level; it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but then, second of all, this this letter that you wrote, which I was teasing you before we went on, that's a little bit brief. I think it's it's publishable. It's like ten thousand words. Uh, <laughs> But it's it's really fantastic uh, from the premise of, um, you know, what Dr. King wrote in a Birmingham jail in 1963, you wrote on your front porch. um, And the brilliance of Dr. King was it took you four times as long to say what he said, but you know, (laughs) I'm teasing you (laughs) But from that. I mean, that, that document is so well-written that you put together. And what I love about it is, is you deal with this from the perspective of, yeah, it's a country issue, yeah, it's an America issue, Mm -hmm. but it's a spiritual problem as well. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that a little bit, because you referenced that verse in 2 Corinthians, I believe it is, about we're all part of the ministry of reconciliation. Now, in the white church, we always talk about that as, all right, you're supposed to go out and win souls, Mm -hmm. which obviously is true, Mm -hmm. but there's another aspect to reconciliation which you probably have, have lived on the other side of that and desired that more so than I have. Help me understand how the church gets it right and how we could help America get it right. Well, I think I think the first way the church gets it right
1: is they they read scripture rightly, right? And so, um, and the unfortunate thing about that, and this is something that I had to grieve, um, actually, as I studied more history and as I studied some of the theologians that I grew up loving, um, and finding that man, they were on the wrong side of this issue. They owned slaves. All of that. Um, I had to I had to deal with that. Um, and so what happens is many of us either are taught incorrectly from a, a scriptural perspective, or we're not taught at all, right? And so I went to Moody Bible Institute for my biblical undergrad, right, and never heard. Now we went through church history in in, in some of my courses. Um, but was never told that many of my church fathers were of African descent. They're Africans, right? Tertullian, uh, Origen, um, uh, 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 Athanasius. I mean, all of these brothers are black. They, are, they hail from Africa, right? And so you never, you're never told that. And so the other thing though, is when, when, when teaching goes on in the scriptures, not only does Paul say we're, we're given the ministry of reconciliation, he says reconciling God to, to us to God, but then he goes further and he says, and reconciling us to one another. So it's not just let's just do this vertical thing and then we're good, which, I, quite honestly, Rusty, I deal a lot with people who are, man, I love Jesus, so I can't be a racist. And I'm like, I, I, I think I hear what you're saying. But until it's like I said in my letter, until you avail that part of your heart to the Holy Spirit, where He can begin to cut and dice and all those other things that He does with sin in our lives, you 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 you're always going to struggle with it because again, it's so deeply ingrained in all of us. And so, I'm, I would say to that person who says, "But you know, it's, it's it's reconciling men to God," and I'm like, "Yes, I don't disagree with that." but don't stop there. Keep reading because Paul goes further and deals with the fact that we need to be reconciled to one another. In addition to that, you know, Jesus himself, before he's on his way to the cross, the night that he was betrayed, he prayed, man, I want them to be one so that the world might know that you love them, God, and that you sent me for them. So Jesus himself has tied unity into the gospel message because in that that whole conversation that he's having with God is a gospel-centered conversation, John 17, right? He begins talking about this is the mission. Well, what's the mission? To save mankind. God, I've done what you've asked me to do. I'm about to finish this thing. Check with my boys every now and then because they're gonna struggle when I'm gone. Oh, and you know what? There's gonna be some more folks that are gonna believe the message that my boys are gonna leave those folks, man, can you make them one? And he's talking about us, right? And so he said, and if that happens, man, guess what? The world, like people who don't know me are going to look at that and say, man, look at that white dude, that black dude worshiping together, hanging out together, being in each other's homes. Why are they doing that? That's not normal in a country like America. What's going on? And then that opens the door for the gospel message, man. We do this not simply because we're great people, we just as sinful as everybody else, but we do it because we are motivated by the Spirit of God to join as one, to, to unify as we move forward. And so, but that message was never, that was never taught, right? You can't go to the high priestly prayer in 1945 and say, man, we're supposed to be unified in a white church when you've kicked out the black worshipers. So, so how do you reconcile that? Well, you either n- don't teach it, or you improperly teach Scripture, and so that's what's happened over the years. Um, and you know, you now have people who have finally been given the opportunity to write, um, and now you have people who are writing and saying, "No, that's not true. This is what the Scripture says about that. You know, this is this is what that really means. This is um, uh, if we if we if we build this." Uh, this understanding in its proper context, this is what it's saying.
0: Um, you mentioned in your in your letter so many great things. And I love the fact that obviously you deal with the spiritual side of it, but then the practical side of it as well. And you get into just kind of the understanding of each other. And you, you you've said this almost tongue-in-cheek in the letter of, you know, the, the proverbial mentality for a white church is, well, in America, you can, you can become as successful as you want to be. And they cite Oprah and Michael Jordan, you know, from the black community. Right. Um, which that's a whole nother level. That's not, yeah. even, you know, yeah. Yeah. So I guess my question is, what do we not understand? Help me understand what it's like to be black in America when, when most of white America thinks it's so much better Slavery's done and we're so much more, woke right. uh, to these right. issues. Yeah.
1: Help, help me understand. Well, w- when I hear people um, come at this issue from that perspective, immediately I say they're uninformed, right? So, um, you know, I had a woman this morning um, who responded to someone's share of my letter, and she said, you know, this is the problem. Um, uh, what did she say? Um, uh, ah um she called me a do nothing intellectual (laughs) she said do nothing intellectuals who just like to pontificate and so she goes on to speak basically what you said like you know everything is cool you know slavery was 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 done a long time ago and what people don't understand is that was just the beginning man that's like if you're in a race you just coming out of the blocks And, and and uh in 1865, uh, right? You, you're you just coming out of the blocks. And so what they don't understand is although the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, the 13th Amendment was ratified, um, when, when Lincoln was assassinated, Johnson came in and just pretty much obliterated all of the pro- progress that had been made to usher us into Reconstruction. And so during Reconstruction, reconstruction man the first few years was awesome man like you had all of these black representatives in congress i mean it was happening and then towards the end of reconstruction once it once it crumbled um johnson did his he did his thing man he came in and basically opened the floodgates for the confederate south and they came in man and that's when the Ku Klux Klan started to grow you, you you had all of these laws that were passed that pretty much did away with everything all of the progress that was made in the beginning of reconstruction and then you you have instituted the this lost cause narrative which which really you know if you say the north won the war then the south won the narrative because the lost cause narrative is still is still around and it's 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 flourishing right and that basically was hey man the south was this godly community of people who were um uh, just doing fine until the north the the sinful north came in and destroyed their way of living and so during that 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 part of the, the our country's history is when you started getting all these um, statues and stuff erected and um, and just this glorification of of the confederacy um, and and so and so that then happened and then right off of the heels of the the um, the the Um, destruction of reconstruction is Jim Crow, right? And and so when you, Rusty, if you go in and you read our history, our real history, I can't see one believer who is motivated by the spirit of God say, oh, well, everything's all right. Once you read the true history of this country, as a believer, man, you got to be mourning. Like, man, I can't, I cannot, for the sake of my, I can't believe this has happened. Like, and why don't I know this? That's what I've gotten from many of my white um, students in my class as I trek through the history of America and they're just blown away. It's like, because time after time, after time laws and policies and, and, and just um, community activists continued to push us and to stamp us down to the point where a couple of weeks ago man i was i was finishing up this book um the color of money this is another great book um but and i i went to my wife and i was like babe how in the world have we made it like outside of god his hand just being on the african-american i don't understand how we've made it and so um Once you understand the history of our country and and all of its ugliness, um, you got to get to a place where you're just kind of like, man, I, people who have done the study, who have done the reading, they don't have a problem saying, man, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. And no, I didn't own slaves and all that. But man, I recognize that what you guys had to go through to accomplish just where you are today, like, and you haven't even really, you got so much further to go, but what you have done, the resilience that you've shown just to make it to where you are today is utterly amazing. And you only get that when you see um, just all of the injustices over the years, man, that African-Americans have had to go through. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty disheartening. And then, and then you, and then you take all of that, and you recognize that not only was the church complicit in that—the white church, I mean—but they were actively involved in most of what happened in terms of race injustices throughout the history of this country. And that's what—that's what breaks my heart as a believer, um, and that's what really kind of causes me to to doubt, quite honestly, to doubt whether. God is even wanting to, it's one of those, I've, I've had these conversations with God. God, I know you can do this, but I wonder if you will, are you willing to do it? I know you can like turn this country upside down, which I think needs to happen. The current system has to be completely scrapped. Um, I don't think we can move beyond where we are if we try to build on the system that's that's been um, originally poured. Um, yeah that 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 foundation just has to be we need to get a jackhammer and and crumble that foundation throw it out and pour a new foundation in this country man
0: in your letter which was so so well put together again i'm gonna i'm gonna save who said this and when they said this but here's a quote you gave so often the contemporary church is a weak ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound So often it is an arch defender of the status quo, far from being disturbed by the presence of the church. The power structure of the average community is consoled by the church's silent and often even vocal sanction of things as they are. But the judgment of God is upon the church as never before. If today's church does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authenticity, forfeit the loyalty of millions, and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club. With no meaning for the 20th century, every day I meet young people whose disappointment with the church has turned into outright disgust. Sounds like it was written yesterday, but give us the year that was written. 1963, man. Yep. That, Dr. That, King in a permanent yeah, jail.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's a, I mean, it's just amazing to me. And if you talk to young people, um, you know, my friend Mark Dimas says it all the time. The church has become so irrelevant that young people don't even want to deal with it. And that's exactly what Martin Luther King said in 1963. We become an irrelevant social club um, that has, in my opinion, sold its soul to um, an ideology or a party um, and, and has just completely walked away from biblical justice and righteousness. Right. If we talk about justice now, I just got a, I just got a, um, a, uh, a message. Well, I, I didn't, but the group that I represent here in Williamson County, we just got a message from this guy and he said, um, you know, you guys need to take your leftist views out, out of Williamson County into Nashville. And in my mind, I'm like, man, how, how, and, and how did, how did it happen that when you talk about I mean, it's Micah six eight, right? You mentioned it at the beginning of this um, this this pod- podcast, but how do we get from the fact that the Bible is very descriptive that we are to be people of justice and righteousness and talks about it so often? How did that get hijacked? And now, when you talk justice, you all are automatically left. I don't understand that. Other than it's an opportunity to to kind of shy away from having to deal with the issue. If I call you leftist, then I can just kind of just, I can brush you off because, you know, I, I am a I am a right-wing conservative Christian and I don't deal with left at all. And I'm like, okay, um, but if you read your Bible, it is it is glaring that God is about mishpat and tzedakah, which are the, the Hebrew words for justice and righteousness. Um, justice being the lifting up Um, from shame to honor Um, that's what it means and and righteousness um, by the way in its eastern context means generosity oh my gosh so God is saying I want you to lift up those who are who have been in shame for whatever reason and then send them off into shalom but as you're doing that not only do I want you to be just but I also want you to be righteous generous so what does that mean Uh uh-oh do I bring up the R word? Don't say it, Anthony. <laughs> Absolutely, reparations. Yes, there needs to be a repair, but you don't get that if you don't understand how it was broken in the first place. So um, so yeah, it, it is a, it is a, it's a tough thing, man, but the church is becoming irrelevant. Nobody comes to the church when this kind of stuff happens. Nobody. Nobody calls whomever. Um, I don't know, Charles Stanley, you know, um, you know, T.D. Jakes might be on CNN somewhere or something, but nobody's listening to the church. We're still the only, I can't say the only, but one of the biggest and longest um, uh, uh, existing institutions that's still segregated. So what do we have to say about this? And nobody trying to listen. Nobody's trying to listen to the church. And so, again, it's just like 1963. Um, we can just, t- I, t- I pulled that right out of his letter and put it in the mind um, because it is still true. It's unfortunate, but it's true.
0: That's so well said. You're right. They're, they're not listening to us in these matters at all. And that's for mm-hmm. sure. Yep. All right. So your letter um, came up with uh, several things at the end that said, here's what you can do now. And you're right, and you addressed this at the very beginning. We just want to fix it so we can move on. Um, But there's a few things we could do immediately that might begin to at least create change in our own hearts and even in our own churches Mm -hmm. uh, to begin talking about this in the right kind of way. Yeah. Uh, What is it somebody listening right now? Uh, Maybe it's something that they read, something that they do, something Mm -hmm. they support. Uh, give us two or three things, and they're all in the letter, but I want you to pick up two or three things we can all do immediately to begin to help bring about change. I've, I've mentioned this already. I think the most important
1: thing, Rusty, is to pick up some books, man. Um, there are there are plenty. I got them all sitting around here. I mean, you got The Color of Compromise. You got The Color of Money. You got Stamp from the Beginning. You got Wide Awake, which I'm, I've been reading today just because um, – that pastor- there you go, he talks about lamenting, and so this this evening we're having a service, not a service, a public discussion about race, and we're going to take some time to lament, man, and I know that is it's not um that's not a a normal practice of the American church, but we've got to get to a place where we can lament some of this stuff, so the first thing man, is to read um and and as you send out the letter, um there is a list of um great resources. Um, check out some documentaries um, get on some african-american podcasts um, listen to those uh, pastor mike is one by jamar tisby Um, um, the truth's table is another of just some sisters that have gotten together Um, i mean just they are amazing in terms of their theology but they get together and they just talk as sisters um so i would i would recommend first educating yourselves. Um, but then it doesn't stop there, man. Cause now you got all this, you got this information and you got to know what to do with it. Right. And so, um, I think the second thing is, um, begin to develop some relationships with people who don't look like you. Um, and most of us, I mean, this country is pretty diverse now. I mean, you still have some, you know, um, Some very rural places that might be predominantly white or predominantly black, but most of our countries, is is pretty diverse. So you can find someone at work, maybe in your neighborhood, at the gym, that you can begin to, man, I just want to learn. I just want to hang with you. I want to know. I want to see you is basically what I'm saying. Um, And so um, be intentional about developing relationships across ethnic lines. And then I would say um, uh, get involved in um, uh, institutions or organizations that are um, doing the work of injustice. Like, um, and there are plenty around the country. There are probably many in your city that people can um, either support financially because these organizations need money to continue to do what they're doing, Um, but also get involved, go and, Um, and ask them how you can be involved what what can you do um, in their organization to help Um, and then I would say um, use your voice like um, a white voice in this discussion of race is a very powerful voice Um, but be careful because everybody's not going to you know rah rah for racial reconciliation it's just i wish that was the case but you will lose friendships you might even lose relationships in your own family i'm talking immediate family um you may lose a church home um for people like you rusty you start talking about this stuff you might lose members um it's just that's the nature of this beast man but don't let that stop you you know um using your voice in these spaces that I'll never get to like, I may never be able to go into grandma's house and have dinner with her because she just wouldn't want me be there. Like, you know, I get that. But if her grandkids come to the dinner table and begin to espouse some of the things that I am from their hearts, you know, maybe grandma will listen, or maybe dad or mom will listen or whomever the cousins. you know, I have friends, man, that tell me all the time, you know, they, they go home and they're just, they come back grieving with some of the things that were said about their friends, right? Um, but those are some of the things that can be done immediately. I think in the long term, man, get involved in politics, get involved in policy making, policy drafting. Um, you know, you can change laws, but you also need to change hearts. And so the law part is very important, right? I mean, we have, we've made some of the strides we've made because Martin Luther King and all the rest of the folks during the civil rights movement had laws passed. But as I said in my letter, if a heart doesn't change, then you can get around some laws and you can write local policies that don't even have, you know, that allows you not even to have to deal with the federal policy that or federal law that was passed. So get involved in your local community and man, it's just, it, it's going to cost you something. And so I would say count the cost, right? Before you build, just find out what it's going to cost
0: because um, it will cost you something. Well, Anthony, I know that you speaking up. has probably cost you something. And I know that just by the color of your skin, it's cost you a lot. And on behalf of White, white Church, I apologize. And well, I appreciate that, man. I'm sorry, right, my friend. Thank you. And like I you said, it. I didn't own slaves, but I have, I have had racial tendencies, and mm-hmm. uh, as you said, we're all racist to some degree, and mm-hmm. a lot of it's just a lack of understanding. Yeah. And yeah. I appreciate your words, my friend, and I appreciate yeah. your ministry, and I appreciate your friendship over the years because you've mm-hmm. uh, you've really helped clarify things for me. So, well, um, good, where can people hear more from you? Uh, you got a podcast or a, a you know I don't website know. or anything you're putting out. I have, I have been told after writing
1: this, this 30 page treatise (laughs) whatever it was that I need to start one, I need to write a book. Um, Right now, I think the best way you can get to me is um, friend me on my Facebook page. Um, We also have a group here called the public, which, which has a a Facebook page. You can go and like, it's called the public, all one word. Um, It's the organization that we kind of grassroots put together year and a half ago, and we've been conducting um, public discussions on race at this little sandwich shop downtown Franklin, and just opened it up, and um, and uh, that's the organization that we've, we're, we're doing something tonight, as a matter of fact, at a local elementary school, um, where we've opened it up to the public to come, and I'm a little nervous about that, man, to be honest with you. Um, it it is, it, is, it, is, it is blown up in just a day and a half. And um, it's even in the local paper now. And I'm like, "Mm, who's reading this paper? So now, you know, I'm a little anxious about who else is going to show up, you know, tonight. And, you know, but those are some of the ways you can stay in touch with what I'm doing. If I do um, start a podcast, which Brad and I, Brad is the uh, white guy that kind of speaks with me at the public. Um, We are we've been talking about starting a podcast probably for the last six months. We just got to get it done. Um, so that, uh, so a lot of the discussions that we have during the public, which people want to get in on from around the country, maybe they can do that through our podcast. So I'll keep you
0: posted for that. Well, please do. And when you get that done, let me know so I can get that word out to our people so they can okay. uh, subscribe we'll to that as well. will do, for sure. Uh, as, long, as long as you're not talking about the Baltimore Ravens, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> so that's all I need. Well, you guys are the ones that's being chased now, man. Kansas City. It's <laughs> okay. I've never done that feeling, so that's fine. <laughs> well, brother, well, uh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being on uh, the podcast and helping our listeners out. Well, I appreciate you, you having me, man. They're appreciate you having me. and love being here.
1: Thank you. Thanks for what you do too, Russ. Thank you. Yeah.